0: Hello, welcome to Washington Game Changers. I'm Laurie Hennessy, and I'm the CEO of the League of Education Voters. And Washington Game Changers is a one-on-one conversation with people who are doing good work and doing good things in the world, which I think we all need to hear a bit about these days. And we're about to talk to, talk to someone who's done a lot of good in the world. Leah Griffin joins me today. And usually I do an introduction for my guest. But today I think I'm going to let Leah talk because she's been doing a lot of talking very effectively for a long time. Welcome Leah. Thank you so much for having me Lori. Uh, My name is Leah Griffin and
1: during the day I'm a school librarian and during my spare time I do a lot of work around sexual assault systems reform advocacy. I was sexually assaulted in 2014. And what I encountered was a system that was ill-equipped to serve the needs of survivors of sexual assault. I ran into problems at the hospital, getting a sexual assault kit, problems with the police not investigating my case, problems with the prosecutors, victim blaming. And the whole system was so traumatizing uh, that I felt that I had to do everything that I could to make it better. So I started working in 2015 with Representative Tina Orwall to pass House Bill 1068, which created the Sexual Assault Forensic Examination Best Practices Task Force for which I'm on which I've been serving for the last five years uh, and mandated that all rape kits are tested uh, by police. And uh, I also at the same time have been working with Senator Patty Murray on the Survivors Access to Supportive Care Act, which is a bill that will increase the number of sexual assault nurse examiners and support them nationwide. Uh, When I was assaulted, I went to an emergency room to get a forensic examination, and they shrugged their shoulders at the ER and said, we don't do rape kits here. Uh, I thought that's what you were supposed to do go to the hospital and and have a kit done. And it turned out that the problem wasn't just the one hospital I went to, but the International Association of Forensic Nurses estimate that only one in five hospitals in the United States have 24 hour access to a sexual assault nurse examiner, which means that survivors are are being turned away without access to justice. It also means that survivors are being turned away without access to healthcare, uh, like contraceptive, pregnancy prevention, Uh, STI prevention. So it's imperative that we increase this workforce so that when a survivor goes to the hospital, they can receive the the care that they need. Uh, So I've been working with Senator Murray, uh, also the Sexual Assault Forensic Examination Task Force in Washington over the past five years. Uh, We've passed nine bills that have done everything from testing every rape kit in the state, the 11,000 untested kits and that'll be completed this year, which is really exciting. We shortened the average time it took to test a rape kit from 14 months average uh, down to six weeks, and we're almost meeting that goal. We passed the first in the nation tracking system for kits so that survivors can log in and see how where they are in the process. We also passed trauma-informed training for police officers to prevent victim blaming and trauma in those situations. And we're working on hospital protocols to make sure that hospitals know how to respond correctly. So we've done a ton of work and there's still a lot more to do.
0: Wow, what have you learned in this journey in terms of advocacy? Everyone talks about advocacy and getting into advocacy and you're someone who you really inspired me because you actually took it on, you you jumped in. So what would you tell people some of the things that you've learned?
1: I think the biggest thing that I've learned in doing this work is that you know, a lot of times on the whole political spectrum, there's this idea that government is this, this other entity. And a lot of times people feel like the government is this, this corrupt entity that is you know, not doing their jobs or out to to hurt people or just, just something other. And what I've really learned is that our government is is people. They're our neighbors. They are individuals in our community that have decided to sacrifice their time and sometimes their well-being in order to coalition build and consensus build and make change and make tough decisions and do their very best for people that they care about. So a lot of times when I, when I hear people talk about, about governments as, as this, this cold, unflinching other, I really encourage people to you know, call your elected representatives. Uh, there've been so many people that I've reached out to who just wanted to listen, who wanted to hear my story, who heard my story, and then wrote legislation to, to solve those problems. Uh, I think about some of the women that i worked with, uh, after my assault, I, I just started emailing, cold emailing hundreds mm-hmm. of people, anybody that I thought could make a difference. And the first person to get back in touch with me was US Senator Patty Murray, who wanted to hear my story. And we've been working closely together for the last five years to, to pass meaningful legislation.
0: wonderful you know i I agree with you this sort of idea of government as the big scary I, i like the phrasing the other um once you start working closely with some of the elected officials i think and see a lot of the good intention it helps do away with some of that fear um well i've been so impressed in reading um just reading all the coverage of the um folks talking about your own story and then i think i think senator murray said something like um you're very formidable or, you know, was very complimentary of all your hard work as well. It's just um, impressive to watch, so thank you so much. What's next on this front?
1: We have a lot of work left to do. Uh, We need to get these hospital protocols in place. Uh, We've made massive efforts on police training, but we absolutely need training at the prosecutorial level and the judicial level. Uh, judges just sort of move around and don't necessarily have any, any specialized training in trauma and sexual assault, yet they're rending, rending verdicts and protection orders, not really fully understanding all the time what that, what that entails. Uh, so we've got a lot of work there. Uh, I think we have a lot of work to do with alternatives to the Mm -hmm. criminal justice system is for a lot of people, you know, pressing charges and the criminal justice system is not a viable option or something that they want. Uh, so I think that we have a lot of work to do in restorative justice practices. Uh, we also have a lot of work to do around protecting survivors in the criminal justice system. Uh, we still currently have a system that allows prosecutors to arrest survivors and hold them uh, so that they'll show up to trial, which is just a, an absurdity. We have so much work to do around education. Uh, we just passed the, the the sexual health education bill and then protected it through the referendum process. And this is great because kids are gonna learn about consent for an early age, but building a culture of consent is really what we need to do. And that's gonna mm-hmm. take more time, more education, more support, more funding. Uh, so we need to make sure that, that students at a very young age are learning about bodily autonomy, about mm-hmm. them, their their own power, their own rights to make decisions about their body and themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's work that we have to do as a culture, as a society, and as an education system.
0: I always um, tell my friends that you have these um, moments as a parent where apart from the usual metrics that people talk about SAT, grades, my kid got into so-and-so school. There are these moments where you feel unexpected um, huge surges of pride. And my youngest is in a fraternity in college. And he let me know that his fraternity was doing a these hands don't hurt um, campaign. And man, I, just, I felt so um, reassured about young men um, starting to actively engage around this conversation. So it's not just young women, it's young men saying, I'm, I'm part of the solution too.
1: And that's wonderful to hear. We absolutely need
0: all yeah. of that we can get. Tell me more about um, the education side of things. You were talking about what happened recently and recap for us if you can, in terms of what we did through both the original legislation and then what we had to do as voters. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of work. The original legislation was prime sponsored by Senator Claire Wilson, who was absolutely incredible. And it's, uh, it, the, the big thing around sexual assault reform is that it mandated consent education Mm -hmm. for students. So teaching students how to say no, that they are allowed to say no, uh, and making sure that, that, that students know that, in order to to have sexual activity, it has to be an enthusiastic, affirmative consent. Um, And so we passed that. Unfortunately, there was a lot of misinformation about that piece of legislation and it ended up getting enough signatures to go on the ballot last year as a referendum. So essentially trying to repeal our incredible sex ed law. Uh, Fortunately, a lot of people did a lot of work, including you and uh, a lot of people in the state and we managed to save that legislation pretty conclusively. Uh, Mm -hmm. Washington believes in sex ed. Washington knows that sex ed is going to prevent teen pregnancies, that it's going to prevent sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are is going to prevent childhood sexual abuse, which is so important in providing space for uh, children to have a, a person to reach out to for help if they need it in our elementary schools. So uh, we were able to save that and it's going to go into effect uh, statewide, which is incredible. Uh, but I always think that there's there's more that we can do to create a culture of consent. And so we're going to continue to push uh, to to make sure that students have as much access to consent education as possible.
0: You mentioned Claire Wilson. Um, a friend of mine, too, just formidable, talking about formidable, just wonderful energy. She's just done so much in Olympia. And it kind of brings to mind this issue. Um, you and I met because we were both on the board of the National Women's Political Caucus, Washington State chapter. And that's where I first started hearing about some of your work. And the caucus is all about electing um, officials who are women. And it Just watching Claire and watching, you know, Tana Sen and there's other members that come to mind. Tell me more about your view about getting women elected and why is that important when we look at these issues?
1: Oh, my goodness. We need as many women in office as we can possibly get. And I think I have a pretty good story to to explain why. (laughs) So in doing this work, all of the people in the legislature that I work closely with are women. Uh, on both sides of the aisle. So in Washington State, Representative Tina Orwall and Representative Moss Brucker from Goldendale uh, have both been bipartisan champions to make sure that survivors' voices are heard and that our cases are taken seriously and that we're treated with dignity and respect. Uh, They care deeply about the issue. It's personal. Uh, On the Senate side, Senator Dingra and Ann Rivers both care deeply about this issue. And it's something that, you know, has been a problem since the beginning of time. And the system was so broken and it is wild that here in 2021, we're just still at the beginning of Mm -hmm. developing a system that isn't centered around protecting perpetrators that is victim centered and survivor centered. Uh, In doing this work, when I walk into the office of a woman, I am heard and listened to. And that is not always the case when I I speak with, with some uh, male representatives and staff. And there's one story that I have that I think is especially poignant is, I went to Washington DC in 2017 to advocate for the survivor's access to supportive care act. Because like I said, there aren't enough sexual assault nurse examiners. They aren't yes. supported. It's a high burnout field. And I want to prevent survivors from being turned away from hospitals. It's a very uncontroversial concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you ask anybody, you know, should there be access to sexual assault nurse examiners at hospitals, they would say yes. Mm-hmm. So I walked into a office of a very high ranked U.S. Senator who was supposed to be an expert on healthcare policy policy. And I sat down and I started telling my story of being turned away from a hospital that didn't have access to a rape kit. And you know, after about five, seven minutes, the, the young male staffer like put his hand out, looked at me and he said, I'm sorry, what's a rape kit. And I realized that the knowledge just wasn't there that, that this person just didn't know anything about what I was talking about. And, you know, it was, it was really disconcerting because I I thought that, you know, a a forensic examination, a sexual assault kit was just a a common knowledge issue, especially for somebody so high ranked in the U S Senate in, in the healthcare committee. Uh, so that really, really took me back. Um, and makes me really grateful for the incredible women that we have here in Washington that listen to survivors, care about survivors, and then follow through with drafting legislation to actually make people's lives better.
0: One thing I know we originally talked about um, in one of our um, caucus meetings was there's um, all these ideas that are sort of adjacent um, nowadays around some of the shaming that happens to women and some of the sense of what did someone do to, to lead to these interactions with men. And I know we had talked about, you know, I worked for um, Senator Bob Packwood 30 years ago. And when they did the investigation, the Senate Ethics Committee, it focused quite extensively on his defense, which was that women dressed inappropriately, or, for my particular instance, I wore short skirts. <laughs> which is apparently why these things happen. It's just, I feel so utterly blessed to be in the generation I'm in now with young women in the workplace as my daughters, because some of that has shifted, but that it still feels like it's out there. There's still a lot to go in terms of how we assign blame to, oh. to women.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a ton of work to be done. Uh, I, I think that there are still a lot of people that don't really internalize that, you know, there's nothing that, that you can do to cause a rapist to rape. And it is, it's, it's not your fault. It's, it is somebody else making that decision and whatever you're wearing, whatever you consumed is, is not a justification
0: for those actions. So in real life, you are a librarian. So when you're not doing all these amazing changes, you're also dealing with um, children during the day. Tell us about that. Are, are kids still reading nowadays?
1: <laughs> yes, kids, kids are still reading. All of the studies actually show that, that students today read more than any other age demographic. Wow. Uh, they are reading print material, they are reading digital material, they are reading graphic novels, they're getting a lot of content and they're, 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 they're kid, the kids are fine. <laughs> um, and it's okay. great, I get to work with all kinds of young people who really uh, want to talk about books and literature and learning and learning. Uh, I've got a great community of young writers that are enthusiastically writing, writing novels and writing poems oh. and uh, kids, kids love reading. And uh, I, I'm not concerned as a, as a school librarian about our, <laughs> our students, you know, excitement about, about books.
0: My, my oldest was a big Harry Potter fan. And um, it was just coming out when she was in the right years for that and I always tell people that everything you need to know about my daughter is that she read Harry Potter when she was five. <laughs> and we used to find her like in the room with the flashlight reading Harry Potter and um, the joy that that truly connecting to the characters in um, that and all the other books that my kids had is just it's not replaceable. And for a lot of kids, when they're struggling to fit in, also, it's almost like a family that you find in your books. So, wow, that's wonderful to hear that there's that there's still a lot of love of reading out there. Mm -hmm. Was there anything else that you would like to add um, sort of um, last messages? What what can people do if they want to get involved in this fight? Where can they um, reach out? Great
1: question. There are a lot of organizations in Washington that are doing great work for survivors that can always use support. Uh, I happen to serve on the board of the Sexual Violence Law Center, which is the only pro bono law firm in the state providing free consults and help for survivors. It is a, a women of color-led organization and they serve primarily women of color in Washington. And mostly what they do is they help survivors get restraining orders and protective orders, uh, so that they can have a sense of safety. And they also provide a lot of trainings for judges and prosecutors and police and organizations on sexual assault prevention and harassment, mm-hmm. uh, prevention. So, They do tremendous work in our state, and you can donate to them if you want to learn more about them at svlawcenter.org. But I'm a huge fan of that organization. They helped me tremendously when I was going through the process. And it's great to really come full circle and go from being a client of theirs to a a board member and somebody who gets to advocate for, for the work that they do. Uh, There's also the King County Sexual Assault Resource Center. They do great work in providing Mm -hmm. counseling and support services for survivors as well. Uh, So looking into those organizations is great. And, you know, when you see the the bills that we're working on every year from the sexual assault forensic examination task force, you know, calling your rep and Mm -hmm. your senator or sending an email, these things really make a difference. And I think people generally underestimate the amount of power that they have to influence policy. Uh, So if you want to make sure that uh, there are more mental health resources for survivors, which we desperately need, uh, call your representative and say we need more more mental health services for survivors, for everyone, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) that your your phone calls make a, a huge difference.
0: Yeah, harnessing the power of advocacy. It's um, That's something that I think most people have no idea how powerful they really are. <laughs> that's wonderful. And then, if people want to get women elected or if they want to learn more about the trainings that we do, they can also go to the website for the caucus, which is nwpcwa.org. Yes. Um, so they can look up some of our candidate trainings as well. Um, well, it is so great to, to talk to you. And I'm just, again, really humbled and grateful for your work. I, I think it's amazing and we should all feel we should all feel um, inspired that you you took the passion and the and the anger and the, the feeling of needing to change things and you you jumped in and you're still jumping in. So so thank you. Thank you Lori so much for having me. It's you no know, it's really important
1: work and the more spotlights that we can put on it and the more people we can have talking about it makes a a big difference because you know you and I talk about this a lot and we do this work and we know all of the problems that need to be fixed and you know if you don't live in this little policy bubble all the time I don't I don't think a lot of people realize that you know police aren't trained in trauma-informed interviewing and survivors can't Access rape kits and there aren't enough mental health care providers to provide services for sexual assault victims. Mm -hmm. There's so much work that needs to be done. And it's great to be able to talk about what we've achieved and what we still need to do.
0: Uh, Well, thanks again. Before I get too choked up, I just wanted to say if people have any other ideas, they can send them to me. I'm at Laurie H L A U R I H at educationvoters.org. You can go to our website where we have all the Washington Game Changers podcast and Leah will be joining that lineup and you can find me also on Twitter. And Leah, you're on Twitter too, right? Yeah, Leah, at Leah E. Griffins. All right. Thanks again. Um, thank you for everything you've done. Take care. Thank you.